This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. You guys, how important is sleep temperature? It's everything to me. And this is where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Its mission is to elevate the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees. It's designed for one or two sleepers. So if your partner likes to sleep at a different temperature or you only need it for one side of the bed, it still works. I just put this on top of my existing mattress and voila. So whether you're dealing with night sweats or simply seeking a better night's rest, Chili Pad is here to transform your existing mattress into a sanctuary of cool, relief, and comfort. Visit www.sleep.me slash FTL to get your Chili Pad and save up to $315 with code FTL. This offer is exclusively available for the love listeners, only for a limited time. So order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with your sleep trial. So visit www.sleep, that's S-L-E-E-P, dot M-E slash F-T-L, because every woman deserves to wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day ahead. As it turns out, people actually connect with me talking about my failure. (laughs) Like people actually connect with just me saying, yeah, this is how I feel and this is how I'm trying to find grace in it. And I can honestly say that I built everything on that. Hey everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm really glad that you're here and I'm really glad you're here for this series. We are in a series that we dreamed up called For the Love of Faith Shakers. You know me, I am interested in healthy disruptors, right? I'm interested in leaders and thinkers and creators that press hard on forms that are no longer holding or serving well, who ask hard questions, who move into challenging spaces. I'm just intrigued by what people are doing out there, still hanging on to to their faith and daring to reimagine it in certain places or re-examine it because change is hard. 
especially in the faith space, I think, but so necessary. That's literally the way we grow. It is the way we develop and mature. And change may be scary, but when the refusal to change upholds systems that have outgrown their usefulness or are prohibiting groups of people from being centered, from having leadership capacity, from being heard and valued, then change is just necessary. So here we are with another episode in this series to talk to an incredible incredible woman today. You know, historically, religious leaders and faith spaces were responsible for some of the most beautiful and revered art and culture we've ever seen, you know? And then somewhere along the line, there became sort of a strange boundary, particularly in the Western experience, between the creative arts and the church. And when I say creative arts, I mean at large, right? Not just like the band. And so the truth is there are incredibly gifted, creative people of faith out there doing their work right now, impacting people far beyond the walls of the church, of course, like springing hope and peace and beauty and comfort. And obviously one place that we are able to find these talented people in our world is social media. I know it has its pitfalls, obviously, but it has a few wins. And this is one of them because artists have created space for us to find beauty and connect with each other and with our own hearts and souls and even with God. And so it's a thrill to watch them do this and then have this platform for the rest of us to have accessibility to what it is they make and build. And so our guest this week is one of those creators. She's just profoundly talented. I was so excited to talk to her about her art and how it has wildly resonated online and the sort of reconnective tissue it's creating among people and even between people and God. So y'all Morgan Harper Nichols is here today. And if you know, you know, and a lot of, you know, so Morgan grew up in a Christian space, really rooted in the African-American descendants of slaves church, right? And so she says that she realized when she got to college that the way that church and faith integrated into her life was different than a lot of her fellow classmates. And, you know, maybe some of you can relate to that. Her church was firmly integrated into her community. Like it was what you talked about. It was a huge part of daily life. And so her art kind of follows that same thread. It's from a faith perspective, but it draws from a a wider, relatable place, a human place that anybody can tap into doubt and fear and anger and joy and pain and failure. Morgan's work isn't like word art. You know, we're not talking about live, laugh, love here hers is deeply profound, incredibly wise, full of nature and light and drawings. And it's well-rounded in a way that just reaches a space that nothing else really can. I don't know about you, but all of a sudden I saw her stuff everywhere and I saw everybody sharing it. It was just like a breath of fresh air. She's got almost 2 million followers on Instagram. So if that wasn't enough, 
Morgan has performed as a vocalist on several Grammy-nominated projects. She's written for a lot of artists, including a Billboard number one single performed by her sister, who you might also know, Jamie Grace. Like, the family's packed with talent, okay? So Morgan's work can be found in Target, in Anthropology, other retailers, and she's truly inspiring a whole generation of people through her work and her words. She also released a book of poems and art that she created in response to the personal stories submitted by her friends and followers. And she has a new book called Peace is a Practice, which we'll talk about too. She's so special. She's wise. She's humble. She's gracious. She's generous. She's transparent. I've loved this conversation. I love her. And if ever you wanted to watch an interview as opposed to just listen to it, you should pop over to my YouTube channel so you can watch Morgan talk and her art is behind her. And she's so striking in every possible way. And so we're lucky to have her today. I'm so happy that she said yes to this. I'm so thrilled to share with you my conversation with the absolutely wonderful and talented and beautiful Morgan Harper Nichols. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for saying yes to this. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. I'm super honored to be here. Thanks. My community loves you, but for the handful of them who are new to your work, I've filled my listeners in a little bit about you know who you are and kind of your credentials, but would you mind before we sort of get into it, can you high level for us? who you are, where you are, what it is you do more or less, because then we'll kind of get granular on it. Yes, for sure. Yes. So my name is Morgan. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm an artist, visual artist, music artist, and a writer. A lot of times in the form of poetry. I do a lot of different things. Like I have like an app, I have journals with my art on it, all kinds of stuff. But I kind of just feel like at the end of the day, so much of what I do is just like what six-year-old Morgan would have just loved to do. So I'm I'm very grateful that I even get to say that. I feel just so grateful that I even get to say that. So yeah, a lot of this is really just kind of finding things that I'm curious about and ways to connect with people and in a way that that also fills me up with a lot of peace and joy. So Yeah, Mm. I'm interested to hear you talk a little bit more about six-year-old Morgan because you've built like a really incredibly beautiful space with your art. And so, I mean, obviously you are suggesting that you were born this way. You've always (laughs) been a creative. You've always been drawn to beautiful things. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Always. But it was interesting though. I wasn't like, I always loved art as a kid, but I wasn't like, I feel like growing up, everyone knows like that kid who's like really good at art and like can really just draw anything. I wasn't one of those. So <laughs> I never saw it as like, oh, I'm going to grow up and do all these things with art. Because I mean, I could, I was literally drawing like stick figures and I just like the color and the people. Like I remember drawing stick figures and just drawing like a square shirt just because I'm like, I want to do all the colors to give them a shirt. So I wasn't, I wasn't even really good, you know, according to other standards. But I do think that one thing that stood out is just like the affirmation that I got from my parents. They get a lot of credit for that because they were just, for me and my sister both, they were just always cheering us on. They were just like, you can do stuff and like try stuff. Like I literally remember 
like I'm talking like like two weeks before my freshman year of college, we had already like paid the money and everything. And it was all set to go, and my mom like turned down and said, "You know, you don't have to do this, right? Like, like, you don't have to go to college if you don't want to." She was like, "I just want to make that clear that we don't want you to feel like you have to go." And I still end up going, <laughs> but even while I was there. Like, my parents were like, are you sure this is what Oh my you gosh. Do? I was the one convincing my parents. Like, <laughs> like yo, let college. me get a college degree. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, I always like to mention that because I, I really, as I talk to people as adults who have not had that like affirmed in them of like, yeah, you have ideas. You're free to try things. Like, I'm like, yeah, it makes all the difference that we affirm that in each other. And sometimes it's parents, but it can be other people. But I always say that as to like how I got where I am. I'm like, yeah, I got it as a little kid of like, oh yeah, like you should, you should share your ideas. You should share what you're creating. So. Oh, I love that for all the parents listening who are parenting a a young creative to just set their feet on that path with confidence and with joy. And that's a fantastic story about your parents. So at this point, like to say that your art is known and beloved is an understatement. You have built something incredible. Like it's very, very powerful what you have created and built. Can you talk a little bit about this process, your particular journey to both like sharing your art, your poetry, and then locating it on social media where it just took um, a whole new life. What has that experience been like for you? Oh, I did not expect any of this. It was, it's really fascinating because I literally had, I had a whole, like so many different versions of trying to be an artist or creative in the world. And another thing with that, even that I want, (laughs) that even want to like say like what motivated me to do that. And it took me a long time to figure it out of like, okay, I got to just keep trying stuff. But I was like, oh no, that's what it was. And honestly, it was, it was financial stress. That's what it was. I, I did not have a job and I didn't have a bunch of skills. I didn't have just the expertise, like the the time I did send out a resume, a lot of times I was denied, I was rejected. So even though, even though like I, I felt kind of like called to be a creative, a lot of what I ended up doing was just trying to survive, which I think is, it's unfortunate that we live in a world and way too many people have that story of just like, I'm just trying to figure out how to pay rent next month. And for many, many years, like that was my story. And I couldn't even get a regular job. Like fast forward to last year, ended up finding out that I'm autistic. I was diagnosed. And that actually makes a lot of sense because a lot of autistic people struggle with finding jobs and careers because a lot of them just aren't made for us in the way we kind of think and operate. So I was all those years, I didn't know that. So I was just trying stuff. I'm like, music career, let's try that. I know how to play music. Uh, What about photography? Uh, I did a few weddings. (laughs) What about a blog? What about this? What about that? Like just trying any little, any little thing and having moments of connection with other people and having little things kind of take off here and there. But it was, it was a real struggle for me to figure out like, how can I get financial support as an artist? Honestly, that was a huge part of it. So I had to figure out what I could do that didn't require a bunch of money up front. And 
and a lot has changed now, but music, even like five years ago, it's very hard to like produce your own music. So I was like, that's out the way. Like, I don't have thousands of dollars to like get someone to produce songs for me and all this stuff. So I was like, what can I do? And what I was left with was words. And I was like, you know what? All I need is a a cheap journal and a pen. And I was just like, you know, I do have this. And on one particular night when I was just feeling like a total failure, feeling like I had just let down all the people who had supported me. And I was just feeling kind of embarrassed with myself of just how I had tried and failed so publicly, <laughs> so many things. And that was the night I ended up writing a poem. And that is the thing that it ended up getting shared on Pinterest over a hundred thousand times. And that to me was just such like a life altering moment for so many different reasons. It was like, wow, all this time I've been trying to do so many things. And as it turns out, people actually connect with me talking about my failure. (laughs) Like people actually connect with just me saying, yeah, this is how I feel. And this is how I'm trying to find grace in it. And I can honestly say that I built everything on that. I was like, I still have this insecurity. I still have this doubt. I still have these questions about my own life and who I am and how to operate in the world. I'm still very much so struggling with my mental health, couldn't afford therapy at that time. Like it just very kind of like real things that people end up going through. But I think the biggest shift was I just switched from like, okay, I don't have to figure all that stuff out. Like before I can just at least put it on paper. And some of those things that end up on paper ended up connecting with other people. So when I look back on it, it was like, of course, but back then that that felt like a shift. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not at all ashamed to say that the whole, you know, social media thing, it was getting to me. Like it was getting to me of like, if you're going to be here, then you need to look like you have it together. You need to, you know, if you're going to be in, and then I even feel like sometimes just as a black person, I feel that, I feel that expectation sometimes of like, wow, like our ancestors went through so much, like you better bring it. Like you better, (laughs) you better make something of yourself. There's just a lot of pressure with that. And yeah, it was, it was getting to me. And, and eventually I was just like, I, I want to find a way. And I think I found that through poetry and art of like, there's a way to talk about those feelings, even without the answers. And there's grace in that. So that's what keeps me going. You know, I take whatever, whatever uncertainties are in my life. And I'm just, I don't assign them so much. I have to talk about them explicitly, like, but it's just that feeling of, of uncertainty beneath is universal. So I just, that's cont- exactly right. I continue to just say, okay, there, there's always going to be something. So let's kind of paint our way and write our way through that. And at least remind each other that we're not alone. So that's kind of what, how I, how I arrived at that. And I, and I try to still write and share from that place. So your special brand of magic is this combination of that pretty bare transparency. It's pretty vulnerable, the things that you say. So you have that first pillar of just being a truth teller, which that's the ubiquitous human experience. You're hitting on something we are all literally experiencing in real time at the same time. So you've got that courageous sort of approach as not just being an answer giver, but a question asker. But in addition to that, you wrap it in incredible talent. 
like your gift with language, with words, with distilling down a really common emotion or response into something so like beautiful and artistic and succinct is profound and rare. I think what you do in the world is really, really rare. How has this felt to you? Because you now have a lot of attention. (laughs) You are getting a lot of attention, deservedly so. I'm curious how it feels to you. And I wonder if you could couple it a little bit, if you don't mind talking about it. And of course you can say, no, Jen, I don't want to. But if it's so interesting to hear you say, I have recently discovered I'm autistic which also kind of has some social issues around this much attention and spotlight and people. And I would just love to hear you say, okay, this is a lot. In in very recent history, I'm now kind of famous (laughs) and also I'm autistic. And here's how this feels to me. Oh yeah. It is, it is a lot. And, and I have, I mean, just to be completely transparent, I mean, over this past year, I have had to ask myself a lot of questions about like, how much do I share? If I share, what is the kind of perception out there? And and it's hard for me because as an autistic person, I don't naturally think about a lot of the unspoken social things that kind of happen in the world. And even when I received my diagnosis, like it was, it was empowering for me. And it's like, I'm, I'm aware intellectually that, okay, yeah, people have stigmas and stuff like that. But for me, I wasn't even worried about them in that moment. It was empowering. However, when I shared it, it's like, I did like (laughs) family members of mine. I had my, my husband and my parents, they received messages from people that we know that were like, I'm so sorry about Morgan. Like, like, mm. like I had passed away and (laughs) like you had a terminal (laughs) illness. (laughs) I was like, wow, that's so fascinating. Uh, The perception mm, that people have around, around, you know, just what they don't know. A lot of times it's a lack of knowledge. And, and some of the people were a bit more judgmental and had things to say than others. Some just, it was just like, they just didn't understand, but that really kind of set the tone of like, oh, this isn't like, I just shared this part of myself and everyone's just going to be okay with it. I'm like, by sharing it, I have in some ways, like opened myself up to like a lifetime of like people not understanding fully. And yeah, sometimes that does get frustrating. Like I do sometimes struggle with like the balance of, okay, people kind of see me as someone who is like sharing, like encouraging things, but I, I don't always know how to articulate like what led to that bright painting <laughs> was a lot of like frustration about discrimination I've experienced or discrimination that I see or or just the general pressure that I feel to like make sure I talk about this in the right way. It's also this, I feel like this constant fight I have against like the whole toxic positivity thing of just like feeling like, okay, when I share this, some, not some, a a lot of people have an expectation of like, 
okay, but you're good though now, right? Like now that you had the answers and you felt so empowered getting your diagnosis and now everything's fine. I'm like, no, like I'm still learning about myself in real time. Like I'm still, I'm creating new boundaries in real time. I'm, I'm recognizing that I have patterns in my life of years and years of things that I've said yes to just because I felt like I was supposed to. I'm like, I feel like you're supposed to kind of, you know, hang out with people a certain amount of time in order for them to be considered friends. I feel like I'm supposed to do these things. And those are things I'm figuring out in real time. Like I, I don't have the answers for them. And that's hard. Like there's a lot of pressure there because it's people come to what I do to kind of find peace and joy and like kind of freedom to breathe. But it's like beneath that, I'm still a human. And I don't have that in every area of my life yet. So yeah, I'm always trying to figure out how to kind of share that and navigate that. I appreciate you saying that, that like for me, at least hearing you talk about that in just starkly human terms as a woman who's still in process and still evolving and developing that draws me to you. That doesn't push me away from you at all. That, that causes me to trust you more that you aren't, selling easy answers or even like a perfect story behind the creator. So again, I put that in the category of part of your special magic that you're just being genuine. But to me, that is a big draw. I think this is part of the reason people are responding to you so strongly is that exact thing. I want to talk to you for a minute about what it means to you to be an artist, an artist of faith, who you incorporate a lot of faith into your work. And I'd like to hear if you'd be willing to talk about it, your personal evolution, if you will, of faith, particularly, I'm interested to hear what you have discovered and where you have grown at the intersection of faith and race and art. Mm -hmm. This is a huge, huge one for me because for whatever reason, growing up, ever since I was a kid, I was, I questioned everything, <laughs> just everything. But for some reason, I, for some reason, I never questioned God's presence in my life. It was, it was, it was interesting because it was, I may have questioned a lot of like stuff that like church people would do and say, <laughs> but for some reason, like at the end of the day, when I and I mean, I just get so emotional thinking about it, just thinking how much I struggled as a little kid, not knowing I was autistic and not really having the tools to communicate. At some reason, at the end of the day, when I would go home and in our backyard and I would just like go rent, we had this really steep hill right on the other side of our carport. And like I felt like God was with me as I ran. And it was just so freeing for me. And, and I'm so grateful that I had that because there's a whole lot of other stuff that I just didn't understand. I didn't understand why as a preacher's kid, there are certain expectations of you and, and, and how you should like sit <laughs> on the pew. Like people just have all these little, like, Oh, why would you do that? Oh, you need to do that. And it was just so, so much. I'm like, I don't get it. But for some reason, God always felt very close in my life. And I felt that God felt even more close when I was creating. 
that was a place where it didn't matter what other people thought. It didn't matter what the expectation was. I was free to just create. I was free to just write my stories that I would never finish and (laughs) just like put these things down. And I just felt so at peace. And it was interesting because it was like that creative practice that I ended up developing and growing as I got older with learning musical instruments. That ended up being the thing that became twofold because it made me a, in a lot of spaces, it made me a safe Black person. It made me, oh, I have an acoustic guitar. And there's a certain like, especially very Southern evangelical spaces I was in, And my sister dealt with this too, of like, we became safe Black people of like, okay, they got that guitar. So we know they're not going to like start dancing or something, you know, on stage (laughs) or or try to, or try to preach or something. So we became safe Black people. And it was very hard because it was like this constant wrestling of like, okay, this thing that I feel on a deep spiritual level, I feel like I'm called to do. And it feels... I feel alive when I'm creating. Like I even remember during kind of, you know, these past few years, my sister and I, like we used to sing together all the time at different things. And obviously all the events stopped. And the first time we we sang together, like we did like a, a live stream event and we sang together for like the first time in like over a year. And we were just, we just looked at each other like, oh, that's the thing. Like that right there, like there's something there's like another realm there. Like, and oh, that gave me goosebumps. We've always mm. had that as sisters, and we've all, and I've just always had that with the ways I do art. But then it's like you go into these spaces where like that very same thing ends up being a vessel to kind of make you like, here's a black person that we're cool with. And that's what ended up happening. And and it's so hard for me because it's hard for me to even like really talk about it because I'm like, I don't want anyone who encountered me in those spaces to think, Oh, was that not genuine? Cause I don't think that I think if, if you had a meaningful connection with, with what I shared in that moment, I still feel like it was real. And at the same time, it's like, there is a subtext that I just had to kind of learn through and, and learn who am I when I get to create in a way that I feel like God has called me to create, when I don't feel like I'm being used to be like a safe black person or like an example of how, Oh, look at us. Racism's over. Cause we brought a black person to our church. <laughs> so That's right. it's like, who am I without that? And I do think that as the years went on, like, especially over the past decade, I've been able to kind of remove myself from some spaces and say, yeah, I just don't want to be a part of that. And, and sometimes I'll even get pushed back. Like, why not? It's this big thing. And I'm just like, I'm not in that space right now. Like I, I need to know who I am and I need to share from a place where I feel safe and I feel free to, to be myself without feeling like I have to like constantly filter and modify to fit, fit a mold. So in that way, you know, for all of its many struggles and challenges, that's where the, you know, the lockdowns and and quarantining and everything that started in 2020 has been a gift to me in that small way. Obviously that's the whole greater thing is not a gift. (laughs) In that small way, having everything canceled gave me a clean slate and it gave me an opportunity to see who am I? And very similar to kind of six-year-old Morgan who am I before I, ha- I I enter into those spaces that make me really question 
what I had to share with the world. So those are the questions I've been asking now. And it's been a very freeing place of discovering. Not always easy. No, <laughs> but it's been no, so I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, you're talking to somebody who changed spiritual locations. And so I understand what you are saying that when you decide to prioritize your own identity, your own gifts, your own convictions, your own sense of being whole in the world, not used, not a token, not, not a resource that sometimes that creates a lot of turmoil. And sometimes that means a complete departure from an entire subgroup where you have been a darling and there's a cost baked into that and there's loss, but there's also a lot of liberation. I know for me, I wouldn't go back. I mean, I wouldn't change it for a million dollars a day. Just the simple sense of being true in the world without having to follow the unspoken rules to protect my belonging. And so I'm curious, and of course, I'm maybe you don't have an answer here, but having now sat, you know, for the last year and a half with that piece sort of removed against any of our will, how do you think this is going to inform the choices, the decisions that you make from when the world comes back? Because it's not like your invitations are going to dry up. They'll be there. They'll, they'll come roaring right back into your inbox exactly from the same sources that they were in the beginning. And so I'm just curious if that is going to, if you're going to create sort of new, a new space around that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I am becoming relentless about what I say no to. And that's new for Morgan because <laughs> I would say like the old Morgan, if you will, was just like, oh, I should probably say yes, or I should fix this up nicely. But even now, like I've had some emails come through and I'm like, nope, I'm sorry, not available. <laughs> That's it. And, and it's like, I, I think that there's just all of these, like you talked about like what's unspoken, like all these sort of unspoken rules about like, even just like how you should speak. Like if, if you're a woman or a young person, like, oh, you gotta, you gotta kind of dress it up a little bit nicer. And, and yeah, there have been, I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like I, it's, it's just, I'm like, that's just not where I am right now. And, and I, and I really, another thing that I feel like I've cultivated a lot is paying attention to how I feel in my body when I see certain requests come in. And I mean, everything from like, from like, you know, someone who's a reader of my work, an Instagram message all the way to, you know, something from like a corporation or something. I pay attention to how I feel in my body. I'm like, am I tensing up? And if I'm tensing up, that's that to me is the first red flag. Like, honestly, it's just like, do I have the capacity to take on something else <laughs> that just makes me tense up right away? And if it makes me just say, but what about, hmm, I don't understand what I'm like, oh, maybe there's, maybe that's some that maybe that's a no because i just don't understand what's going on no no nothing against the person who sent it but i just don't understand what's being asked of me and i need i need to know what that is before i say yes so that's been very new for me and i see myself practicing that more and more 
Uh, and <laughs> it also helps that, I mean, I, I live in a house and I'm married to someone who is just significantly more direct in his life in every capacity than, than me. So sometimes I, he's like, yeah, say no. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. I'm like, He'll help you hold that right? line. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, so that helps too. And I feel like a lot of my friends even are like that too. Like a lot of my friends are just a lot more like bold, like, don't worry about that. Like say no, say no. So that has been helpful too, just surrounding myself with people who and who can kind of like encourage me and they know where I'm at. They, I don't have like, like I'm an introvert and I don't have like a ton of friends, but the friends that I do talk to that I can just text, these are people I've known for 10 years plus. And we may not talk every day, but it's like, they've seen me and they've known me through all of these shifts. They know me from from when I was like a nobody artist to when I signed a record label at a contemporary Christian label in Nashville to when I left that label to when I started this new thing. They know me through all of that. So that that to me is so wonderful that I'm like, yeah, when I run things by them, like they have this greater context. So that's something I'm just grateful for. And I, and I feel like I'm learning more of like, don't just like focus on in the head of like, how to make it through, like pay attention to my body and also like look around and ask people that I know and trust that to kind of like help, you know, help me navigate through this. So that's absolutely my metric too. And it serves us well. Our bodies are looking out for us. And so they don't have an agenda. Our bodies have no agenda (laughs) except to tell us what's true and real and send Mm -hmm. us warning signs if we need them and try to keep us safe. So that's new for me. And so I love hearing you say that. I feel like that conversation is turning inside the community of a community of women of faith, which is exciting. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms and it's faster, bro. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. So get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go, you guys, today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Did you know more than 75% of Americans experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% seek out a solution for that pain? Your feet don't have to hurt. So let me tell you about Superfeet. Superfeet has a wide range of insoles for every activity, every shoe, and every foot, from cushioned and flexible to firm and supportive. You can dial in your fit by taking their quick quiz online. Answer just a few short questions and Superfeet will recommend the best insole choice for you. Foot biomechanics may be complex, but solving foot pain should be simple. So when you add the signature orthotic shape of Superfeet insoles to your shoes, you give your feet comfort and support where they need it most, helping redistribute forces to reduce stress and strain on your entire body, not just your feet. 
When your feet feel good, so do you. Your foot health is an important part of your overall well-being. Visit superfeet.com and enter the promo code FTL at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. I want to talk about your book. I mean, you just, you got, you have got your hands all over some stuff right now. You've written a book and it's on the topic of peace, which feels both hard and timely. Like you picked a hard subject at a time when there's such a shortage of peace in our not just our culture, but our world, it's a hard thing to grapple with. Honestly, I can do love better than I can do peace. You know, I can pick another Christian thing value. And it seems easier to me than this one. I'd like to hear you talk about this book and how and why it was birthed in your heart and what it was like to create it, to write it, what you learned from it, all of what you're hoping the readers take away from it. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. Thanks for saying that. And I'm I'm so passionate about this topic because it's been a, a very important theme in my life. And I would say firstly, as an autistic person. So I when I talk about peace and, and I write about this in the book, I'm also talking about in the body, being in the body and breathing, taking deep breaths, inhaling and exhaling. And for me, as an autistic person who also has a sensory processing disorder, that's not like a thing I go do on like a spiritual retreat once a year, like, or, oh, I'm going to focus on my breathing. Like I can't make it through the day without focusing on my breathing because the, the sensory overload alone is freaking exhausting. Like I, I can shut down after some loud music, after a, a pot falls in the kitchen. I mean, these things can cause me sometimes hours to reset. And for a very long time in my life, I had no language for that. I did not know why this was happening in my life. I thought, oh, maybe it's because I didn't sleep enough. Oh, maybe it's because I had too much caffeine. Like, and I'm jittery. Like, I had all of these thoughts as to why it was, but I never was able to get to the deeper issue. And, you know, obviously, you know, for me, that ended up being, oh, I'm autistic. Like, there's a way that my brain is. There's a way that I am in the world that can make these things happen. But the grace that I found in that is through all of that, I was able to continue to seek out moments to breathe, to seek out peace. Like, when I was running down the hill on the other side of the carport, my parents' house, like, that was me seeking peace. And I didn't always find it perfectly. I didn't always just walk away, you know, I'm six years old. Like I didn't walk away like, wow, I feel so much better about my life. Like everything's going to be okay. I didn't walk away feeling that way, but my body in that moment felt free to be at peace. And that's where I wrote this book from. I'm like, look, I, I don't know how to, how to give you the step-by-step to find peace every day in life, but I do know it's something that we can practice. And here's something that I've been learning all along the way, all these little things. And I, and I truly believe that these little things are actually big things that add up to a bigger picture of how we can practice peace. So yeah, I just kind of gave myself permission to just nerd out in this book. I'm talking about Benedictine monks in this book, Tracy Chapman. Like it's, <laughs> it is very much so like, look, here's all the stuff. It's, it's the monks. It's, 
Tracy. It's this random dream I had with a yellow sled. Like those are three literal examples in the book. I gave myself permission to just nerd out and say like, I hope this this gives other people permission to kind of look at all of those little particulars in their life. Like, wait a second. I have not figured out this whole peace thing in my life. And I certainly haven't figured out for the whole world, but we have been practicing. So let's keep cultivating that practice. So good. I think there's a temptation when we consider peace for it to be something nebulous that in some way that is mysterious and magical, just going to happen to us. Like it's just, it's just going to land in our lap someday. And we're like, well, there it is. Damn. I've been waiting for that. When in fact it is a practice, like we get to practice peace to me, that feels so accessible. Like these are these little levers, like you said, that turn out to be big levers to pull and they matter that breathing, that meditation. Like I worked all that into my life in the last year and a half. These are new practices for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Profoundly impactful. Like, I mean, you're just breathing air, you know, we, we breathed air when we were born. So it just doesn't <laughs> seem like it could be so powerful. And yet it is. And then music and art. I just love dreams. I love that you included everything. And do you feel like you'll write again? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I feel like I have, you know, even to some of like the people who've been able to read it and say, oh, I appreciate this little thing. Like that was so healing for me. It's just like, oh my gosh, like other people appreciate when, when we kind of get into these details. And I think in the past, I didn't want to write a book like this because I was just like, I don't want to talk about myself or a whole book. Like But it's like, the more I begin to read and just read how so many people observe the world and what they bring, and you're one of those people and and what they can kind of like take from that. I'm like, oh, it's so much more than, than just talking about your, it's this bigger picture. And, and I love being a part of that. So yeah. And thank you as well for, for being someone who has inspired me to Mm. do the writing. So Mm, I love this. Oh, I'm always like, more women at the table of writing. Like let's pull up every single chair we can get our hands on and celebrate one another's work and champion each other's voices, our perspectives, obviously, and our voices, particularly you as a woman of color have just been so marginalized for so long. It was just such a centered voice of just white men. And so I'm like, banging the drum for you. And for all the women who are like, I don't know if I should, I'm like, you should yeah. like, you should <laughs> pick up that pin. Absolutely. Pick up that pin. Okay. Yes. I'm going to ask you, these are the just kind of like off the top of your head questions. I'm asking everybody in this particular faith shakers series. And so here's the first one. What is the biggest shakeup that you have had in your own faith journey? And and how, if it did, did that change your view on religion or God? Yeah. It was realizing and even realizing even more over the past couple of years, like, oh, when people talk about Jesus, we're not all talking about the same person here. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's we really are disorienting. We are, but we aren't. And that has been huge for me because I have spent, I spent years of my life in particularly Christian spaces where I thought we were talking about the same thing and we were not. And there's so many different specifics of it, but just because I already touched on it, I'll just kind of go back into that of like just seeing the vicious hatred 
toward a phrase such as Black Lives Matter, seeing specific people that I used to quote and listen to just denounce any kind of conversation about this in the name of Jesus is, I think, spiritually traumatizing. Yes, that's right. Because it's like, this is somebody that I thought we were on the same page. And the amount of times I've said that over the past few years is, oh my gosh, like we're not even the same library. Like we're not even on the same street. And that's, and that's not even me trying to be like, oh, I'm so morally superior. No, that's not me. That's no, I don't have figured all figured out either. But, you know, the Jesus that I connected with as a kid, and especially in the particular context that I was in, in this small Black church in Stone Mountain, Georgia, was a Jesus who was the friend to the oppressed, who stood up for the oppressed, who broke social norms and said, yeah, that person is who we're talking to, even when his own students are telling him, no, 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 not them. No, I'm actually yeah over here to the side this woman who you consider to be less than unworthy of even acknowledging that's what we're after is, and not in like this weird, you know, complex of like, oh, look, it's like we're being present to that person. And that's where the love is. That's where we're, that's what we're after. It's not like the sidebar thing. That's what connected me. And, and even as I left the home of being like a preacher's kid and, and went to the the world, if you will. Like that's what how I, how I identified as as a Christian, and and how I, how that word became something of my own. And and it has been a struggle to carry that word when I know what it means to other people. And even with my work, I'm asked a lot of times, "Why don't you say God in your poem?" And it's so interesting because always this is always my response. And literally every time I, <laughs> I respond, they say, oh, I say, because I'm sharing what God is sharing with me. I'm not just talking about God. Like, I feel close to God and I talk to God and I talk to God while I'm creating. I recognize that in the same way that I have in my life, especially as I grew up and entered into some more white spaces, the word God alone has so much baggage with it for a lot of people because it's been weaponized against them and who they are, that I just want to show that you can feel love and you can feel eternal love in the presence of God, even if someone's not using the language that you're used to. And it's fascinating to me that I can write something about bold, unbridled hope and someone can respond and say, I sense God's love in what you're sharing. And thank you for saying that. So I feel like everything I just said is one big mess, like a long paragraph no, that was not no, broken up into no, points. No, I love but, it so much. <laughs> but, I, but in some ways I'm like, I think that's the spiritual journey. I think that's it. I it's love just it so like much. It's kind of this like interwoven thing with all these different things that are happening inwardly and outwardly. And 
And there's so much grace to travel through that. So, so yeah, that's kind of a, a big shift that happened. It's just realizing like, even with language, there's so many things that I just want to continue to spend time with. And as somebody who still identifies as a Christian, I'm like, yeah, I, I want to be present to that. I don't have answers for <laughs> for it, but it's like, I want to be present to that. And I, and I want to continue to spend time with that. So, yeah. I am so drawn to that. And that sense of trading in certainty for curiosity and holding our hands like open to language. I mean, all the ways that God can reach us and speak to us and move us and connect with us outside of this sort of rigid set of, of words and forms is wonderful. And we don't even have to defend it because when you put your work out in the world, when you put your art out in the way in which you do, the fruit speaks for itself. It it moves people. It delivers love and joy and peace and patience and all those things that we say we care about. And turns out we don't get to prescribe to God how it is he can speak. And so I love that you have discovered this freedom in your own faith, in your own work at this stage in your life, because you have so much pavement ahead of you. I mean, your best work's ahead of you. And so to be like launching from such a beautiful, healthy spiritually curious place of depth. I mean, I am watching you and I am cheering for you. And I literally cannot wait to see what else you create. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. You guys, I use these every single day. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it is so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes. Plus, it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Loom. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. And when you try it, you'll see that it is what your eyes have been looking for. So check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. I'm obsessed. My friend Chelsea was wearing the softest cashmere sweater in that perfect weight for spring. She told me it was under $50, made by a fantastic company named Quince. And I could shop for my laptop, which is my dream. So I immediately ordered the cashmere tee. Now I want it in every color. Quince offers staple pieces like Chelsea's Mongolian cashmere sweater, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, classic like 14 karat gold jewelry. You can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials, but unbeatable prices. You guys, seriously, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And I know what you're thinking, but Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible practices and premium fabrics, which I love. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to Quince.com slash hatmaker for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash hatmaker to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash hatmaker.
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This is the last question. And I ask everybody this question, Morgan, no matter what the series is. This is from Barbara Brown Taylor. I don't know if you've ever read any of her work, but she's profoundly All of her work. Gift. Um, <laughs> Okay, of course. Of course you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She asks, what's saving your life right now? And feel free to answer that however you want to. Mm, Yes. What's saving my life right now is just reflecting on this past year coming up on the anniversary of my diagnosis and realizing how much growth I've experienced. I feel like this has been the year where I've, I've been able to see it the most clear I've ever seen it. And a lot of it has just been, I've had a lot of time to reflect. It's been very hard to look back and not even sometimes, like sometimes there's been some anger, like anger at myself or others as to how I was treated or different things that have happened. But within that, I have felt that I have really, truly grown and I've learned to be more of myself. And I feel for me, that feels like a gift from God. And I'm so grateful for it. And I continue to share as much as I do, because I believe everybody deserves that. I believe everyone deserves to feel seen and loved and known in whatever capacity to say like, oh yeah, I've, I've been through some stuff, but I'm also me and I'm so proud of how far I've come and how I've grown and how I've continued to grow. So that, that keeps me going every day. I get so excited about other people. And I don't just mean diagnosis. I mean, just whatever it is of like other people saying, oh yeah, this is me. And I'm, I'm so proud to be me and I'm so excited to, to be me. So yeah, I've been really, really grateful for that. Fantastic. Can you, before I let you go, just tell everybody where they can find you. If they're not already following you, they have to immediately. That is, this is not up for debate listeners. And so (laughs) tell everyone like where to find all your things. Yes. So I'm Morgan Harper Nichols, pretty much everywhere. That's my Instagram handle, Morgan Harper Nichols. And my website, morganharpernichols.com. I try to kind of have all the links there, easy to find for my book, my app, my podcast, all that good stuff. So yeah, that's me, Morgan Harper Nichols. Great. Um, I'm in your corner and I'm really proud of you. And I'm so thankful to just be standing next to you as you really serve the world in the special way that you do. So just so much love here from Texas and I'm watching you and I can't wait to see what you do next. You've like inspired me and you've moved me and your words have mattered to me. And I know my community too. So 
lucky me to have you on the show today. Thanks for being here. (laughs) And thank you. Thank you so much. All right, guys, listen, step number one, if you don't already, time to go follow her. Follow her on Insta if you're over there. It's just every single day, you will be happy that you do. Okay. Every day when her posts comes up in your feed, you will be like, this was such a good quality follow. And by her work, she's so special. I feel lucky to have talked to her today. By the way, if you're like, where do I find it all? As always, if you go to jenhatmaker.com underneath the podcast tab, we'll have not only this whole episode, but we'll have the show notes and then we'll have links to absolutely everything Morgan. So it's kind of a one stop shop for you. If you are interested in more, we'll have her website, everything. So she is phenomenal and I love to celebrate her work. We have so many good guests in this series. Don't miss any episodes here. If you have, go back and pick them up. These are interesting and smart and courageous and innovative people of faith who are moving the needle forward in so many important categories. And so lucky me to get to sit across from them. Okay. Thanks for listening. You guys, thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Do that if you haven't already done it. And of course, writing and reviewing, we read all those. We've never not read one. And we always love hearing your suggestions on who you'd love to hear from and who you think I should know and host on the show. So you can always throw that into the mix and we are always paying attention. So more to come in the Faith Shaker series. And I hope you have a great week. See you next time.